0: Hello and welcome. It's so great to see all of you. My name is Matt Wolf, I'm the lead pastor here and I'm so glad that you're here to start your year church. It's a good place to be. We are starting today our 21 days of prayer. Today we're going to start it, so basically it's going to go throughout January. The last Sunday of the month, the 28th, will actually be the day after the, the 21 days, but we're going to kind of celebrate together that day. So what we're doing is we're coming together as a church to pray. Some of you have never really done that or committed to it, but we want you to take a step of faith and step up to do these 21 days of prayer. So you're going to hear an awesome story like Jimmy's story about a testimony of prayer every single one of these Sundays in January. And what we hope is that through these 21 days of prayer, you are going to have your own story that maybe won't video it unless you want. But we, we want you to have your own story of how God has moved in your life, in your family, in your community through the prayer you, that you've prayed, that you prayed together as a church. So we're going to do a whole bunch of things, and we'll be introducing some of them. Um, as you'll notice in the very back, we have a whiteboard. You may have seen it on your way in. That's a place where you can write on a sticky note a prayer request that you have. If, if it's confidential, you can put it on the backside and post it up there. If it's something a little more public, you can put it on the front. But we're going to have our prayer team, our staff, our elders, praying through all these things for 21 days. But we are going to come together as a church for 21 days I also do want to say that some of you are going to feel challenged to fast during these 21 days of prayer. That's what our prayer team is doing. They're stepping up for a fast and they want to invite you guys to join them. And there's different ways that you can read about in your bulletin or stay after the service upstairs in our Sky Lounge. We're going to have a brief meeting with that prayer team and they're going to explain what a fast is. And maybe you could choose what kind of fast you'd want to do for these 21 days of prayer. The reason why we're doing this is, like you saw in the video, one, we're combining with our network of churches around the country and around the world. We're part of a Converge Worldwide, which is a network of churches, just over 1,300 churches in the United States, and we have missionaries around the world and churches that we partner with, and we're just joining with them in these 21 days of prayer. It's going to be awesome because we're going to see God move not only in our lives, in our church and in Denver, but around the country. It's going to be exciting to see how God is moving. But the second thing is nothing good ever happened unless prayer was behind it. Uh, I really believe that. I, I believe that before we can do anything great as individuals or in our church, we need to pray about it. We've got to start with prayer. Now, I have great dreams and ideas about what we can do as a church. Some of you do as well. And, and I, I think God has even bigger dreams. You know, He sees what we're, we're thinking about and He's like, no, i got something even better for you, for your lives and for your church. But in order for all that stuff to happen, we've got to start in prayer. Now, our mission. What we're all about here is helping people follow Jesus. We want you to follow Jesus and we want you to help other people follow Jesus. Very simple. Because what happens when you follow Jesus and when others do is that lives are transformed. It really changes your life. And one of the amazing things that happens as you go from someone who's just kind of an observer to an avid follower to giving your life is that God gives each one of us an individual calling. He places things on our hearts and passions and shows us needs around us and we step into those things as followers of Jesus and it gives our life a new purpose and it really makes an impact in the lives of people around us as well. And one of the amazing things, you're going to hear more about it next week, is that we had a whole team of people who felt God call them and went down to Houston this last week. We had a team down there to help um, rebuild and restore some of the homes devastated by the hurricane and those people felt called and led to do that. And, you know, I could say, hey, this is what we're doing as a church. This is what I want you to do. But I think God has a better idea of what you're supposed to do as individuals and coming together as a church. So that's why we're starting with prayer. Because as we pray over these 21 days, as we start to form some habits of prayer, and as we're asking God to move throughout this year and into the future, God's going to do big things. But we've got to start with prayer to find out what those things are, to listen to him, to learn to grow in our relationship with him. So that's what we're going to see because God wants us to help people follow Jesus. We're all going to get on board together with that. So we'll talk about this some more in our message. Our first message this Sunday is going to be talking about prayer. We're going to be 20 days of prayer, and we're going to have really a whole year that we're praying for God to move in big ways in big ways so our message today is on prayer so if you have a Bible go ahead and open up to James chapter 5 we're going to start in verse 13 we're going to have the scripture up here on the screen as well if you have a smartphone go ahead and jump there James 5.13 and I think it's great for those of you who weren't here last week like I wasn't Bill Carson filled in our student ministry director and did a phenomenal job and he was talking about James 2 he actually gave a really good introduction to the book of James, who was written by Jesus' brother. So if you missed that, go, go ahead and check it out on stapletonchurch.com. We have audio, video, you can subscribe to our podcast. Yeah, we got that good stuff. So you can catch up and, and learn a little bit about James. But we're just jumping now into the end of the book of James, because next week we're going to start our new series called Seeing the Unseen that you saw in the video, talking about the prophet Elisha. Somebody was like, didn't we already go over Elisha? No. We covered Elijah, the prophet, and Elijah shows up at the end of the book of 1 Kings in the Bible, and Elisha, his kind of mentee, the person Elijah trained, comes in 2 Kings, the beginning of that. So we're going to jump into Elisha's life starting next Sunday, so you're going to want to be here for that series. It's going to be awesome, because if you don't know anything about Elisha, he's incredible. I think better than Elijah. Although I mean they're both pretty amazing. But Elisha did some really awesome things and things amazing happened in his life, and you'll get to see that and learn from them. So today we're going to be in James chapter five, verse thirteen. Is anyone among you in trouble? James wrote, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. As you can tell in this passage, James says, if you're in trouble, pray. If you're happy, pray. If you're sick, pray. If you're in sin, pray. Basically, when are we supposed to pray? All the time. And this is going to be our main point today. I really want you to get this. The time to pray is now. And the person to pray is you. Pretty simple. You get this from this passage. And I want you to see this. When I say now, not just like, we've got to pray right now. Just drop everything you're doing. Although you may want to do that. But basically now, whenever the time is, whatever the situation is, is a good time to pray. It's a good time to pray. And you are the person to pray. It's not somebody else's job. One of the things that was kind of fascinating to me as I started as a pastor six years ago in Nebraska was how many people would need me to pray. I didn't know this. I was like, one day to the next, all of a sudden, everybody needed me to pray, and all of a sudden, like, my prayers were more powerful than anybody else's, but they're not. I can tell you that. I'm more than happy to pray for you, but, you know, you don't need me to start a civic event or, um, you know, pray for you in the hospital. I will, and I am more than willing to come visit you in the hospital, but any Christian can pray for you, right? The thing is, is that we all can pray, right? We all can pray and we all need to pray all the time. So the time is now to pray. So our big idea, when is the time to pray? Now. Who's the person to pray? You. Now, a lot of people think that there's certain times you have to pray. And some people have good rhythms like that. Maybe you come from a different Christian tradition that practices this, you know, morning, noon and night. You have your set times of prayer. Or, or if you've ever heard of the Benedictine monks. They pray the hours, eight times a day, every three hours they pray. Even at midnight and 3 a.m. they get up to pray. Pretty incredible. (laughs) Pretty incredible that they do that. I don't know what that means for your circadian rhythm, um, but they're praying all these times. But that's a good way to do it. If you have a rhythm, if you have a set time to pray, you can do it. But it really doesn't matter, right? James just said, if you're happy, pray. If you're sick, pray. If there's trouble, pray. It, It doesn't matter. Now is the time to pray. Now is the time. So you don't have to have these set times, although it's a good idea. You you don't have to wait to eat until you pray. Have you ever been in that awkward situation (laughs) where you start like eating some bread and someone's like, we haven't prayed yet. And they look down your nose judging you. (laughs) Sinner. (laughs) It's not like if you haven't prayed before you eat, it's going to like go in your stomach and explode and rain shrapnel in your intestines. No, nothing like that is going to happen. Although it's a good thing to pray before you eat. You can also pray after you eat. I don't think it... Something magical happens because of the timing of your prayer. It doesn't matter. The, the time to pray is now. It's always a good time to pray. And that's what I want you to see in our message. G.K. Chesterton, the British author, said this. If we have that quote pulled up, I have to jump back. Sometimes I jump around and keep them on their toes back there. Thank you, Kevin. Um, he contested and said, you say grace before meals. All right, but I say grace before the concert and the opera and grace before the play and pantomime and grace before I open a book and grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing and grace before I dip the pen in ink. When's it a good time to pray? Now. It's always a good time. Um, the Apostle Paul talked about this quite a bit and he talked about unceasing prayer. In, in the book of First Thessalonians, in chapter 5, he says this. Pray at all times. Be thankful in all circumstances. This is what God wants from you in your life in union with Christ Jesus. As you begin to grow in your following of Jesus, in your relationship with him, you're going to be praying more and more and more. And then you're going to find it's not just in these rhythms. You have to pray at certain times. You're going to be praying all the time throughout the day. Different things are going to set it off, and you're going to start having this conversation with God. Brother Lawrence, the great monk, said, you know, this is practicing the presence of God. You know, God's always with us. We can always talk with Him, and we should. Now is a good time to pray. Uh, Paul again said in Ephesians um, chapter 6, verse 18, he said, At every opportunity, pray in the Spirit with every kind of prayer and petition. So when's a good time to pray? Now. Now. At all times. Every situation. We're going to go back through these verses because I want you to see four different situations about when to pray. And the first one is in trouble. And in trouble, we petition. In trouble, we petition. We petition, we make a request to God. We say, God, I need you to do this. This is what most people think about when we talk about prayer. Say, we're asking God to do something. Hey, I need you to do this. I need you to help this person. Help me through this thing. Petition. We're supposed to do that. And I love that James says in times of trouble. Is anyone among you in trouble? He says in verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? He doesn't say, if you are in a financial crisis, if there is an economic meltdown in your country, if someone is dying, He doesn't say any of those things. He just says, in trouble. Because trouble is a very broad term and encompasses all those things and more. Any type of trouble, we're supposed to go to God. It's always a good time because we have those troubles in our lives. Some of you are in that period of trouble right now. You're struggling with something. A health thing, a financial thing, a relationship at work that is not going well. Your business is struggling. All those troubles we have, that's a good time to pray. That's a good time to pray, to petition God and ask Him to help. And it doesn't matter how small or how big things are, we're supposed to ask. Uh, Gary Friesen, in his book, Decision Making and the Will of God, tells this story about a time when his daughter was in college in Chicago. And she was brand new in college. She had just, you know, left the home. And she was at home for break from college. She was headed back to Chicago. And he sent her off and, you know, kissed her and cried and, and sent her off to college. And then he realized as soon as she boarded the plane that he hadn't given her any money to get from airport to her college. She had no money. And he was like, oh no, what am I going to do? This was in a day, of course, before Venmo or Apple Pay. Her, his daughter didn't have a credit card. She only had $15 cash. So he was so worried because $15 wouldn't be enough to take a cab from O'Hare to her campus. And I'm sure he was thinking, man, I can't think of a worse fate than to be stuck at O'Hare Airport. Can anybody think of that? You know, But he just started praying. He's like, I can't do anything at this point. There's nothing I can do. So he started praying and praying and praying. And so he prayed the whole flight. And when she got there, his daughter realized when she went to go get a taxi (laughs) that she had not enough money. She had $15 and she started to cry. And of course, back home uh, in the Pacific Northwest, Gary was praying and and praying for his daughter. Lord God, please help her to get safely to her campus. So when a taxi finally pulled up and, and the driver asked, uh, Gary's daughter, you know, do you want to go somewhere? And she says, I can't. I only have $15 and it's not enough to get to my college campus. He says, well, you know what? You pay me the $15 and we'll let Jesus take care of the rest. See, God had worked in that situation somehow for that taxi driver to be generous. And that's what God does. For some of you, that's like, oh, that's a small thing. You can pray for that trouble. For others of you that are parents are like, man, I can't imagine how tough that would be in that situation. You're powerless. But when those times of trouble come, whatever they are in our lives, we need to petition God. trouble petition. The second thing James said was, Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. So our second thing is, in happiness, praise. In happiness, praise. Did you know that praising God, worship, like what we do with singing, when you guys were singing those first few songs in our service, that's praying. You're praying to God, thanking him for things, telling him how great he is. It's communication between you and God. That's prayer. So when we have those times of happiness, of thankfulness, then we're supposed to return to God in prayer. That's what praise is for. Now, some of you are good at this. Most people are not. In fact, in Jesus' life, he realized this. Because Jesus had this time where he healed ten men. They both, they all had this skin disease, right? There was these ten men with leprosy. They were outcasts from society, so this would have completely changed their life to be healed. And Jesus healed them. Well, guess how many of the ten men came back to thank him? One, one. And I don't know if that Bible passage is some thing showing the statistics of how many people actually praise God. <laughs> Maybe it's ten percent. I don't know. But the, the reality is we have these things that are so hard in our life. We're praying, God, help me with this. And then he comes through. Do we ever remember to thank him? Do we remember to turn to praise for him? Do we have things in our life where we're just thanking God for? The good things. The times of happiness. C.S. Lewis talked about how joy, happiness, is never fully complete until it's expressed. This is true. You go and you get a bagel and it's a good bagel. What do you do? You've got to try this bagel. You get out your phone, you take a picture, put it on Instagram. You've got to try the bagel. It's the best bagel. It's an egg everything. That's my bagel. <laughs> it's good. Oh, you've got to try this bagel. It's so good. You're telling everybody about it. When you have a new relationship, you want to tell everybody how great this person is. That's what happens. You express it to other people how good the things are in your lives. That's what we do. The happiness is not fully complete until it's expressed. And I think truly a joy, a happiness is not really complete until it's expressed to God. And once you do that, once you return that loop, because God is the author of all good things. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. And when we realize how happy that makes us for the good things He gives us, and we return in praise and say, God, thank you so much. You are a good creator. Then our joy, our happiness is even greater. And that's an amazing thing. I've, I've been learning how to do this a lot over the last year. You know, this, this last week, our daughter McKinley turned one. And when I saw her... Eating her cake, you know, she's having cake for the first time and reaching in there, doesn't know what to do with it at first, and then finally, it's like, getting everything out. I was so happy, right? Don't judge me. Okay, we gave our kids sugar. Okay, don't judge me. But she loved it, right? She's having so much fun, and it gave me so much happiness, probably more than she had. And I just said, God, thank you so much for this gift of a child. Thank you so much for her. We love her so much. Thank you, God. And then I said, God, and thank you so much for my wife Melissa because she makes the best frosting in the world. Thank you so much. And, and you know, we had a lot of fun last week. We worshipped with Melissa's home church in Utah. But man, it's good to be back with my church family. And I just said this morning on my walk here, God, thank you so much for my church family. When we have these times of happiness in our hearts, when you return them in praise to God and thanks to God, it makes the happiness even greater. It makes the happiness even greater. So in times of happiness, praise. But then there's a third situation that James talks about. Verse 14 said, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. So it tells us that in times of sickness, we're supposed to pray together. There's something powerful about bringing other people into these difficult, trying situations in our life. In sickness, we pray together. Like Jimmy, we ask for help. (laughs) He's an elder. Jimmy, could you stand up for a second? This is Jimmy Smith. He was in the video. Yeah, let's give him a hand. He's one of our elders here. Um, I, as the lead pastor, am also on the elder board and our other elders were all in the first service. They're early risers, I guess. Um, And uh, I think Gary is coming back, but we have Gary Lidholm. We have Greg Buchanan and we have Mike Crowell. Elders are the people that God has set up this type of leadership for the church, that there's a group of people that are in charge, a group of people that are the shepherds of the church, really trying to pray for you all and help you all and equip you. Um, Myself, uh, I'm one of those people and we care about you. And this summer we're going to talk more about what elders are because we bring on new people onto our elder board and some people leave and, and we'll talk about what it means who an elder is, what the Bible talks about with that this summer, so stay tuned for that. Um. But the elders are these leaders of the church. Now, there are certain situations where you're like, I need the big guns, right? That's what people always thought with me as the pastor. So it's good, I guess. The Bible says you can ask for a pastor and elder to pray for them. Because when things are really dire, I think if you read between the lines in this passage, it says, call the elders to come. So it's implying that this person cannot even get up to go to the elders. So this is a really bad sickness. This is something that's really bad. And that's the time where we're supposed to bring in the elders And it says something interesting there, because it says, anoint them with oil. Now, that's kind of weird practice, and if you do call us and you say, hey, could you anoint me with oil, I'm not going to show up in weird robes and perform all these incantations. That's not going to happen. But what it is, is that oil is a symbol of God's blessing. A symbol of the Holy Spirit and anointing. This happened in the Old Testament. Whenever a priest was chosen, he was anointed with oil. When the king was chosen, they were anointed with oil because this showed a symbol of God's blessing, a symbol of God's Holy Spirit resting on this person. So in the same way, we're asking God symbolically to come onto a person to heal them. There's nothing magical that happens in there. It's just a symbol. It's just like we're going to take the bread and the cup uh, at the end of the service today. there's are symbols of Jesus' body and his blood. When we have someone go down in baptism into the water, it doesn't magically wash them of their sins, but it symbolically does. When I have this ring on my finger means symbolically that I'm married. If I take it off, I'm still married. Right? It's just a symbol of that marriage. So that's what the oil is. I think it's really interesting. I was thinking about this this morning, that Jesus did, he didn't have oil one time, but there was a guy who was sick who was blind, John 9, and he took some mud and he spit into it, mixed it up and put it on the guy's eyes, and then told him to wash, and he was healed. And was something magical happening? No, I think there's something powerful in symbols like that. We see that there's healing in symbols, and I think that's the same thing with oil. So one thing that we are doing in these 21 days of prayer is having an opportunity for you to seek prayer, for you to seek prayer. So at the end of every service this month, we are going to have some of the elders and some of our prayer team available and myself, and we're going to just hang out in the back. And if you need prayer for something specific, maybe it's a trouble, maybe it's a crisis, maybe it is something that's health related. And if you need a prayer for something, we're going to be there for you. We want you to just feel open to come up to us and get prayer. Um, in addition to those sticky notes we have, if you want um, somebody else to pray for it throughout the week. But we want to make that available for you, because prayer together does something powerful. Even Jesus said that, for when two or three of you are gathered in my name, there am I with them. Jesus said that. Something powerful when we come together in prayer. So it's the third thing, in sickness, pray together. And the fourth, in sin, Repent. In sin, repent. That's what it said in verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. In sin, repent. Did you notice the P's in our four points? In trouble, petition. In happiness, praise. In sickness, pray together. In sin, repent. Didn't start with P, but still has it in there, right? (laughs) I Hope you guys can remember that. Because it's always a good time to pray, but in sin, we repent. Now, it seems that there's a connection in this passage between someone who's sick And someone in sin, that perhaps they're related. And that can happen. It can be that someone is so much in sin that God gets a hold of their life, gets a hold of their attention through a sickness. But this is not always the case. In fact, the entire book of Job in the Bible and John chapter 9 prove that that is not always true. Maybe not true a lot of the times, but it could be. But what I always tell people when they're struggling with this, you know, did I do something to cause this? I don't know, but it's probably a good time to repent. (laughs) Might as well, right? Take advantage of the situation. Jesus had this opportunity in, 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 I think, Luke chapter 13. There was this tower that had collapsed and killed 18 people. And people were like, were those the worst sinners? Is that why this disaster happened to them? Do, do people in that region need to repent? And people ask this, like, about Hurricane Katrina or, or the disaster in Haiti. Is it because they're the most sinful that there's voodoo down there? Is that why God is judging them with this disaster? Well, probably not, and how can we know? But Jesus said to those people, eh, but you still should probably repent. So he told the people, he said, I, there's probably nothing different about these 18 people who died in the tower, but just take the opportunity to repent. You probably have sin in your life that you need to confess. So whether you're lying on a hospital bed, or you're feeling sick, or, or whatever the situation, just repent. In 1 John chapter 1, we read that God, if we confess our sins, God, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. No matter the sin you have in your life, just confess, repent. It's a good time in prayer to tell God about that. And God will heal you, He will forgive you of those sins. Now, it says here that we should confess your sins to each other. There's something powerful about having other Christians around you that you can tell your sins to, and you can confess them to them, and you can ask them to pray for you. Now, some denominations will take this as a basis that you have to go to a pre- priest to confess your sins. But I think pretty clearly it doesn't talk about priests, it says to each other. And whenever it talks about each other in the Bible, it's talking about your brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's why you can come confess your sins to me, and I'll say, well, why would you do that? Let's, let's pray for forgiveness. Okay? Feel free if you want to confess your sins to me. If you want to confess your sins to each other and hold each other accountable, whether it's your spouse, a good friend, someone in your community group, that's a good thing to do. One of my professors used to say that a confession should only be as public as the sin. So you don't need to tell everyone. You don't need to come up here on a Sunday morning and tell us all about the terrible things you did this week. Um, even if you want to, I'll probably say, hey, let's keep that private. <laughs> now, you may need to confess your sin to your wife or to your kids because you've hurt them in what they've done. If you're a leader like I am as pastor or an elder of the church, we are supposed to confess our sins publicly because we're public leaders. There's something about the level of publicity that you have that you confess publicly, so that's why we confess to each other, but there's no command about how public or, or to whom you're supposed to whom did I say that right to whom you're supposed to confess, but it does say we should confess. So that's why whether it's in prayer individually to God or with other people, we should ask for forgiveness. We should repent of our sin. Now some sins, of course, are between you and God. David said in one of his psalms, "Against you, God, against you only have I sinned." He was very clear and thankfully he wrote it down so we all, the whole world forever gets to hear about his sin but maybe it was king that he had to do that but he was saying hey, some of our sins are just between us and God and those are the ones let's just go in prayer and repent whatever the situation let's repent of those sins and we will receive forgiveness so I hope you can see in this passage that now is a good time to pray right? now it's a good time now and in our next section in this passage we're going to see that the person to pray is you Look at the end of verse 16. It says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And then it says this, verse 17, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. I really like this passage because it harkens back to Elijah, which we just covered. I think it's really great because it ties in there. And what it says, James says, that Elijah was a human being just like us, just like me, just like you, human being, 100% flesh, and he had some problems too. Didn't we see some of the mistakes he made and some of the the depths of things he dealt with? I mean, Elijah, he felt the depths of emotions. He was sad, he was angry, he was depressed. He went through a period where he didn't even want to live. He wanted to die. And that's the person that God used to be an example of prayer. So if he's the person who should pray, so are we. So are we. And there's an amazing story. We went over it briefly in our series through Elijah, but I just wanted to tell you again about it. It's at the end of 1 Kings 18. And Elijah was there on Mount Carmel. He had just had this amazing showdown with the prophets of Baal, a false god. And he had called down fire from heaven. And the one true God, Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God of us, me and you, he showed up and brought fire from heaven. And it was amazing, this powerful thing. And what's interesting about that is that that was at the end of the three and a half years of drought. Been a terrible economic time. Things were really bad. People were starving and dying because there wasn't enough food. And Elijah, as soon as the fire comes down from heaven, the showdown happens, he he tells the king Ahab, he says, why don't you go and celebrate? He says that. He says, go eat and drink. As if the rain had already come, as if the drought was over. But it wasn't. But in faith, Elijah knew that God was going to act. So then Elijah, after he told the king to go party, he went up on the mountain and started praying. He got on his knees face down and he was praying, God, please cause it to rain. Please bring rain. Please bring rain. He was calling out to God. And he was so, he, he was so into this prayer that he couldn't even look. So he told his servant, he said, why don't you go check if there's rain yet? So The servant looks out to the sea and there's no rain. So Elijah starts praying again, fervently, passionately, earnestly, it says for more rain servant looks no rain servant looks a third time then a fourth then a fifth and a sixth time and still no rain had come this is elijah the great prayer right but finally the seventh time when elijah said go look if there's rain servant went and he came back and he said there's a tiny cloud about the size of my fist was starting to form and elijah says okay we better get out of here and he yells, down the thing, we got to book it out of here. The rain is coming. We can't be caught in the mountains. And they, they speed out of the mountains to get out of there because it would have been terrible to traverse the mountains in the rain. And, and the rain did come. That cloud began to get bigger and bigger and bigger and poured rain in the mountains, poured rain on the land and ended the famine, ended the drought. And there was water to water all the land, all the crops, all the animals. The drought was over. The famine, the economic hardship was ended because of this man's prayer. And he was a human being just... Like me and just like you. And that's why I say the person to praise you. The person to praise you. Now some people read this, verse sixteen, and they say, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Well, Matt, I don't feel very righteous. I don't care how good you have been this year, you're not righteous. I don't care how many of your resolutions you've done and how great you've been at reading your Bible plan and how nice you've been and how kind and generous you've been for seven days. You are not righteous enough. You're not. We all fail. Even Elijah wasn't righteous enough. But, through faith, we are made righteous. Because there was another man, a human being just like us, named Jesus. And Jesus, as opposed to every other human being who ever lived, was righteous. He did what was right. He fulfilled the law like no one else could. He even was baptized even though he had never sinned in order to fulfill all righteousness, he said. And he was perfect. He lived the life that we should have lived. And then, even with his last breath, being faithful to God, he gave his life for us. And he was put on the cross and crucified, and he suffered a sinner's death, an unrighteous person's death, even though he was righteous. And what God did through that was that anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ would receive the reward of righteousness that Jesus earned. And our penalty would go on, Jesus, So we're not just forgiven of our sins when we repent and confess, but we are gifted God's righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. It says we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So when we come to God in prayer, we are righteous. Not because of what we've done, not because of what we could do or will do, but because of Jesus did for us. And that's why we can stand boldly and pray effectively and powerfully and things will happen. Things will happen. And that's why we're starting this year with prayer. Now, something that I do every year and this is my first January here, so this is the first time you guys are, are become aware of this but I like to do a theme verse, a theme for our year. For 2018, our theme is going to be prayer. And we have some cards here that I want to pass out. Bill's grabbing them in the back. and they are going to have this verse, James 5:16B. I'm only having you memorize half a verse. you start out easy with you guys. But I want you to memorize this verse. I want you to let it just fill your heart and sink down deep into your soul. I want you to realize that this is true that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I want you to take this card and I want you to put it somewhere that you are going to see every single day in 2018. Maybe it's in your Bible. Maybe it's on your refrigerator. Maybe it's on your dashboard. Maybe it's on your front door. You can put it as you're leaving. You can open it up and see this verse. I don't, Care where you put it, but I want you to see this verse, and I want you to memorize it. I want you to get it into your heart, into your soul, because I want every single one of you to be a powerful and effective prayer through the righteousness of Christ, and see what God does in your life. And now, as we're still passing out those cards, we are going to end our service with a couple different things. We are going to take communion. It's the first of the month where we remember what Jesus did for us and we remember that we are forgiven and declared righteous so we can take that time to repent of our sins and be forgiven. It's a great time to do that. But before we're going to do that, we're going to take a few minutes to silently prayer, pray and reflect on what God is leading you to in these 21 days of prayer. So if you have a pen or paper or if you have your smartphone that you can take notes on, I want you to write down two things in our time of reflection. The first one is one of those petitions. What is something that you really need to pray for? It could be something in your life. It could be a habit you need to break. It could be um, a medical thing that you're going through. It could be something in your family, or in your community. It, just something that's really on your heart. I want you to write down that prayer. Because when you write it down, in 21 days, I think God can act. And I think it'll be amazing to look back and see that God has moved. That He has acted. He has answered your prayer. It's been effective. It's been powerful. So I want you to write down one thing to pray for. You can be bold. You can be bold. We're going to pray. And we're going to pray together about these things. And the second thing I want you to write down is your commitment for the next 21 days. What will you commit to for this time of prayer? Maybe you've never been a daily prayer and you're going to commit to the next 21 days to pray every single day. Maybe you're going to even set your alarm on your smartphone right now to wake up 15 minutes early and pray. Maybe you're going to commit to saying, hey, we're going to pray as a family every meal. Or, or every dinner, we're going to get together and pray. That's your commitment for 21 days. Maybe you're going to say, hey, I don't have community group, it doesn't start up until February, so I'm going to commit to those 21 days, the next three weeks, going to our prayer team that meets between the services every Sunday or Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. here, the, in, upstairs in the hangar. And you're going to commit to those things. Maybe you're going to commit to something different. Maybe it's part of that fast. And once again, we are having a brief meeting afterwards to talk about what a fast is, but maybe there's something in these 21 days you want to commit to giving up. And we do these fasts as Christians because we give up something and it helps us to focus on God and focus in prayer. And if you give up some kind of food, maybe it's even one meal a day or some kind of food that you love, every time you think about it and desire it and crave it, you turn that into a prayer. When you're hungry, man, you feel those stomach pains. Oh, I can pray. So maybe you're going to commit to skipping a a meal a week or or a daylight fast or even 21 days of prayer. Maybe talk to your doctor first, but you can do it. It's humanly possible. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Come on, slackers. No, I'm kidding. But wherever it is, maybe you want to start out with a simple fast. Maybe you need to fast from social media. Mm. Mm. But whatever it is that you're going to give up to replace it with prayer to connecting with God, to asking Him for these things, because we want God to act in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our community, in the world. And I think God is going to do some big things in our lives and in our church and in Denver. And it's exciting. We're going to be doing this across the country with 1,300 other churches. It's amazing that for these 21 days, I think God is going to move and act in big ways. So I want you to write those two things. So we're going to take a couple minutes. Um, Sonny's going to come up and start playing some music. And just take a couple minutes to think and pray. What is God leading you to do? Not me, not the person who should be here, not your spouse. What is God leading you to do? So let's take that time right now to pray. Lord God, I pray right now in this this time as we silently reflect that you would lead us in our hearts. That your Holy Spirit would be the guide. That you would show us that thing that we need to pray for fervently. For 21 days that we can pray for this thing. And maybe we can even involve some other people in this prayer. Lord God, we want you to act. We want you to move. We want you to do big things. And Lord God, I pray that you'd lead us also to know what our commitment needs to be for these 21 days that we can come together as a prayer as a church and see big things happen through prayer because Lord you've told us the time to pray is now you've told us the person to pray is us each one of us and I pray that in the righteousness of Christ we would have powerful and effective prayers these 21 days that we would start to form some habits that would transform our lives and I just pray that you be with us 21 days this year for your glory. In Jesus' name.